Hey there, I'm Tracy Rigdon, and this is the Contrast Project Lounge Podcast. In this podcast, each episode is a journey through captivating interviews, engaging dialogues, and personal anecdotes that explore the depths of arts, culture, politics, and everything in between. My goal? To leave you inspired, informed, and entertained. Often random, but always relevant, always real, and practically nothing is off limits. So whether you're an art aficionado, a political junkie, or simply someone seeking a fresh perspective, this podcast is for you. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the new season. I want to thank every single one of you guys for being here all these years. And now we're going into our premiere season five. My guest today is the one and only Mr. Reese Dickerson. Reese, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, this is this is more than an honor. Tracy, I tell you, I've watched you for years. I've watched everything you've done. And I feel like a superstar. I feel like a, I feel like a million dollars. So thank <laughs> you, you so much. Thank you so much for having me, brother. <laughs> Reese, 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 you are a superstar. You are. Nah, I'm just me. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. I'm humble. Thank <laughs> you, man. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and jump right in. I want to talk about what you're doing in Jacksonville. Yeah. And 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 what you feel about the the future of arts and culture in North Florida. Yeah. First of all, first of all, what was your defining moment in your life that made you realize your passion for music and arts? Oh wow. My defining moment. Wow. So I've had a, I've had several. Um, but the defining moment for me that I decided when I decided, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, day one at Douglas Anderson School of the Arts in 1985, August of 1985. Um, so take a little young black kid from the north side, from the hood, and who grew up in the Pentecostal church, and you drop him in an environment with all these different kids, black kids from the beach, punk kids, hillbillies, rednecks, Indians, um, uh, you know, goth kids. So I'm completely lost in this whole new environment. And once (laughs) I got there and got a chance to talk to and rub shoulders with people who did not look like me, who didn't think like me, it touched something inside of here. It touched a little weird guy in here who knew that there was more than what I grew up with, who knew that there was more than the poor area of town that I grew up with, where we killed our own chickens and and raised our own ducks and I poured swill. So they wanted Douglas (laughs) Anderson School of the Arts. Yeah, they wanted Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. Really, really, really solidified that. And then one day um, during my senior year, I'm gonna gonna put a cough drop in my mouth. I've been dealing with uh, health issues, but one day during my senior year, I produced a show. We used to do this thing called Showtime, and they allowed me to produce a show where I'd um, gather all the questions, and I chose the performing arts groups. And I got a chance to hold a microphone and actually host and feel like a host of a show. I was like, yeah, this is it. I'm done. The bug has bit me. I'm done. I'm, I'm there. So Douglas Anderson 
has really, really, really affected everything of my uh, everything as it relates to the arts and, and, and culture and community and the decision to study classical music. And it solidified my love for jazz music. So, uh, yeah, it's all about D.A. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> one of the yeah. And and one of the things that, uh, you know, comes to mind when I think. When I talk to, you know, many of my guests, I ask them about their passion. And then again, I think about the fact that uh, how do you approach being a host? Because many of you guys host. You host, you know, programs or you you show up at TEDx Jacks or you speak yeah. at open communities. How do you approach being a host? I watch people like you. And I, I don't just I don't just say that because we're here, we're friends. I watch people like you. I watch people like uh uh Trevor Noah. I watch people who have done this. I watch your Oprah, I've watched your Oprah Winfrey's and I've seen how their concern first is for their guest and not being a celebrity. You walk in knowing what your audience is, you know what you're gonna, you know what you're gonna cover and what the event is. So you kind of gauge your audience. I'd go and I'd stand. Sometimes I'd stand from uh, behind the curtain and just kind of watch the people coming in and and watch the interactions uh, of the people coming in. And then I just kind of host. I host from that perspective because I want them to feel like they're part of what's going on. If I'm hosting a concert, if I'm spot, uh, promoting an event, I want to make sure that those people feel like they've had uh, a great time. That they're a part of what's going on and that they're not, they've not just spent their money just to come and sit and listen to somebody speak that they're, you know, they're connected. So that's my, that's my perspective. It's about the people first about me last. Oh yeah. Uh, could you share with me and, and our viewers, okay. listeners, uh, a specific, yeah. a specific memory or experience uh, from your early years in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida, that profoundly yeah. influenced your musical journey. Oh, wow. Um, well, I'm born and raised in Jacksonville. I've been here all my life. I have never lived anywhere else, which is sad. <laughs> and hopefully I'll be changing that really soon. I'm, I'm looking at a couple <laughs> different options to move. But my early years, I sang all my life. My mom said I sang before I spoke. Um, but my, but yeah, she said, you know, I, I talked all the time. Uh, she said I was forming, I was forming full sentences by the time I was 11 months old. So, but in my childhood, um, I grew up in a church called Faust Temple Church of God in Christ over on 24th and Moncrief, small black Pentecostal church. But it was very, very, very influential in the city, in, in, in uh, the church culture. So I grew up Pentecostal. There were two singers in our church. There was one guy, Roderick Williams, and my mother's cousin, Henrietta Telfair. Well, Henrietta went to Hampton University and studied classical music. Roderick was the announcer at our church. And he was very articulate and very well spoken. And he also studied opera and classical music. Uh, he studied at UNF and at JU, uh, one of the most amazing tenors ever, you know. And they sang one Sunday morning 
they sang a song by Lionel Harris and Sandy Patty called More Than Wonderful. And with oh. their voices and their tones, they were the reason they were the reasons why I decided to study classical vocals. I could sing, you know, I sang all my life. That's all I've done. So I sang in the church. But hearing them in 19, I'll never forget, it was 1983. I was a 13-year-old kid. Uh, I, yeah, 13-year-old kid. And they sang that song, and it just changed everything for me. It just changed it all. I was like, there's more to music than what I'm hearing here in my church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from that point, you know, I had started listening to, you know, classical music, uh, more classical and sacred music. I started, I was curious. I started listening to jazz. My granddad introduced me to jazz music as a seven-year-old kid. So it, but it was that moment when they sang that song, which I went on to sing with, you know, people I've traveled the country with and, and, and sang. I sang that song. Lorna Harris is one of my favorite singers in the world. Um, as a tribute to them, just because they were the reasons why I, you know, love the music that I love today. But it was it was that moment as a kid, as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you this, and a lot of people don't know this, uh, but I played in the praise and worship band at Christ Church Mandarin for probably six years. And I actually sang... Uh, in one of their big Easter celebrations at the uh, Vice wow. Star Arena, people, a lot of people shout out, listen, shout out like, to Christ Church, shout out to Jason Cullum. Yeah, man, I love those guys out there. Yeah, I, I was, I was at Jason. Yes, I, I was uh, in that group uh, before Jason. Uh, okay, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, uh, before Jason. Uh, their, uh, their original pastor, he was, oh my God, uh, a mentor to me, a mentor to wow. me. Good I stuff, used to yeah. sit in, the, I used to sit in the front row during the, uh, sermons and he would come up to me and, and say, you know what? You're a fixture here. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good yeah, stuff, yeah. I, I, however, have left the church, and we won't go <laughs> into that. And for whatever reasons people choose to do so, I won't go into that. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. But I did love. I loved playing in the band there. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was one of it was one of the high points of my life. I will tell you, uh, one of the things I often hear about old musicians, old musicians wind up playing in churches because they have better equipment. <laughs> Listen, all the equipment in the churches I'm singing is much better than what I have at home. So, yeah, yeah man, it, it, it is <laughs> better. Better mics, better in ears, you know, better monitors, better speakers. Oh, yeah. Always the big church. Yeah. Yeah. You're not kidding. The big churches have better equipment. No doubt. All right. All right. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. Your your ability to sing comfortably in a a variety of styles, Mm -hmm. it truly is impressive. It it truly is impressive, my man. You have a strong voice. Uh, I've listened to a lot of people locally, and you know, you have got 
a very strong voice. And one of the one of the people well, I you. interviewed recently said that she uh, loves and follows people with strong voices. And I told Megan McKenzie, and I told her that she. Oh, oh. I told her. I told her that she indeed has a strong voice, and 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 yeah, my God, my God, you have a strong voice. How do you approach the challenge of versatility uh, as an artist when you move? You know, when you move between, you know, different songs. Yeah. You know, how do you approach that? Yeah. So I remember as a kid coming up, I would sit and I would listen, everything I listened to, I would put before, you know, I had headphones, I'd sit on the floor in front of my bed and I'd sit one speaker here and one speaker here and I'd sit in the middle of it. So my thing, you know, I just listen and listen to the nuances of different voices and listen to the nuances of different instruments. Um, and like I said, after going to Douglas Anderson, I began to, you know, appreciate all these different styles of music and knew that there was more. I wanted to be a vocal chameleon. I was reading a book once and, and, and I heard someone say, uh, um, I can't remember who it was. I believe it was either Herbie, Han I believe it was Herbie Hancock or Bobby McFerrin. They said, listen to the original first. Learn the original first the way the writer and the arranger wrote it. Master that first. Then you can add what you do to that. So when I approach country music, let's say country, I, I love country music. Um, I sit and I listen to one of my favorite songs is I'm so lonesome I could cry by Hank Williams Sr. Absolutely love that oh. song. But when yeah. I sat and I listened, when I sat and listened to that song, I want to hear the pain that Hank Williams felt. I want to hear what he was doing. And I would sit back and I'd repeat that. I'd repeat that. I'd repeat what they were doing. Uh, when I listen to classical music, um, as uh, techniques taught to me by uh, some of my vocal coaches, Wayne Bailey, I'd absolutely, you know, Love Wayne Bailey, Dr. William Brown, who's since passed. Um, one thing they tell me is sit down and emulate, again, emulate what you hear, emulate what you hear. Take and learn by phrase, by phrase. So that's what I do. And it's, I mean, it's nothing new. It's what, you know, it's what we do as musicians, but that's what I yeah. do. And I want, you know, every time I approach a song, if I'm doing a Christian song, if I'm doing classical, if I'm doing jazz, if I'm doing uh, uh, rock music, I did Purple Rain for the first time a couple months ago. I want to do that song true to form. I don't want to just be a black guy who gets up there and, oh, he knows the words and he kind of knows the melody. No. I want to be able to do that and do that and stay true to form. So that's always my approach is to understand the song that I'm doing, understand the genre or the, the environment that I'm singing in and, you know, and go that route. And I will tell you, you mentioned Purple Rain. Uh, you absolutely slayed that version. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, man. Man, I appreciate that, brother. That, that, I appreciate that. I was at, um, I got invited to be a part of an uh, event that was happening at Universal Studios. Uh, shout out to uh, Ramona the Riot, Janetta Caballero. Love you, sis. Thank you so much. I, I, I believe in championing people who have taken time to pour into my life and to sow into my life and believe enough in me to have me a part of whatever they're doing. So I went down there. It was a competition kind of like The Voice. So I was there with a couple people who had been on The Voice and a couple uh, someone who had been on um um, America's Got Talent, and all of the songs that I chose leading up to that, I couldn't do them. Like, my first choice was Use Me by Bill Withers. Well, they didn't have the lyrics for the big screen. I'm like, oh, crap. 
Uh-huh. Well, it ended up that I worked out with the band that, yeah, man, I love that. I love that tune. I love that tune. I know, so right? we worked right? out with the band that I was able to perform that. Well, when we got down to the competition round or the final round with the, with the four finalists, I didn't know what I was going to sing. I said, mm, I'm going to do something that shocks both me. It's a challenge to me and do something that none of the audience sees coming that they absolutely don't see coming. So I did Purple Rain, and I, I, I love Prince. I will always love Prince. I like the, yes. know, the, uh, the stuff yes. that, that's not commercial, the stuff that most people don't know. That's the Prince that you really need to dig into. Right. But I right. got that song, and I knew the song. I knew the history of the song. And I took about five minutes, and I sat and read the lyrics. And, uh, man, I, that dude, that was so much Fun. And the response I got was just more than what I expected. So that uh, that continued to add wood to the fire that's already burning under me, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for that compliment. <laughs> I can remember going to see Purple Rain in the uh, – it was a movie, you know, a theater. Uh, when I went to see it, I yeah, was yeah. the only I was the only white person in the theater. <laughs> it was a, it was on the north side of town, uh, and I yeah. went to see it. I went to see it, and I was mesmerized, mesmerized. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and a lot of what a lot of people don't know is some of Prince's biggest hits. Although he wrote most of them in on that Purple Rain record, Wendy and Lisa, the stuff that they wrote, oh man! I, if I'm yes. not mistaken, Wendy and Lisa yeah. may have been the original writers of that song. They, I think, they went to him with that um, with that concept of that song, Purple Rain. So Wendy and Lisa um, are, are absolutely amazing. They, they they've been with him since the beginning, and I, you know, I love yeah, that. He, yeah, that, he, that movie he... was amazing, man. It was, it was, it was, uh, uh, and it, it really, uh, set the stage for, um, people understanding, you know, his life, uh, and him in Paisley yeah. Park, of course, his studio there in Michigan, I yeah. mean, it, it remains as more, Minneapolis, yeah, yeah, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, you're right, uh, it remains mm-hmm. as more of a, a monument to someone, and he gave he gave a ton of money to that neighborhood to keep them. Oh yeah! Oh to, yeah! To to support them. Yeah, yeah. Prince was always that Prince, though as 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 reclusive as he may have been, um, he made sure that. He preserved and added to that neighborhood, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things. That's one of the things I loved about what he did. He, you know, you know, he was a weird one. You know, he did that whole androgynous thing for a while, and which is which I yeah, absolutely yeah. love. I think I think it's I think it's great. But um, he always gave back to uh, gave back to that neighborhood. He always put in. Look at all the musicians in that area. Your Des Dickerson, your your Morris Day, your 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 Brown Mark, all those all those people from <laughs> yeah. that area who still to this day talk about his influence, and you can't get away from his influence on everything they do. Even even now, I was watching Sheila E. 
um, when she was here a couple of years oh, ago at the jazz festival. I love her. Did you see that love. show? Oh my, did you see yes, that show? Yes, I did. Oh. Yes, I did. I was there. I was there. Dude, man, when, so Sheila E, when she, when she did that show, she, you know, she opened up doing her stuff and then she did an entire segment of just print stuff. And yep. she was 60 yep. years old at the time. And for her to put on an uh, hour and a half concert of just nonstop, you could see his influence because he was that yeah. kind of an artist. That dude just went, he just went and went and went. I mean, like the Energizer Bunny, he just went. So, yeah, man, I hope that well, when, I'm, when I'm 60 well, years old, I'm still doing it like that, man. <laughs> well, Sheila was with him for years. <laughs> Sheila was with right. him for years. Years. Right, right. I'll tell you another person that I got a chance to spend time with, talking about Prince. Uh, Denise Matthews, who was Vanity from Vanity Six, yeah. Later yeah. in her life, she had be- she become a um, she become a minister. She become a, mis- uh, a, a speaker. She become a Christian. Uh, converted her life and became a Christian, and uh, traveled and spoke. Well, when my mom was my pastor back in 1999, when she started our first year anniversary, I think we may have had 20 people uh, in our church. My mom called me on the phone one day and she said. I want Denise Matthews here in Jacksonville to tell her story. Three phone calls later, three phone calls later, I called the studio in L.A. No, I called the local studio here. I called the studio in L.A. <laughs> and then the telephone number they gave, the third telephone number they gave me, I said, hello, um, this is Reese, you know, Maurice Dickerson. I'm looking to speak to Denise Matthews. She said, this is she. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So we brought her here to Jacksonville, and she was here for five days. And what a wonderful, wonderful person she was! So that was a lot of fun. Um, Patrick Evan McMillan, another singer here in town, he was a big fan. So I called him that Sunday morning. I said, "Hey, bro," I said, "Listen, I got a surprise for you. I want you to come to church with me. I want you to meet Denise Matthews." So I went and picked him up, and you know, took him, and he got a chance to meet him and spend time with him. So it was, you know, so I love man, I love Prince, and have, and and am glad that I, you know, some of my life has had some kind of. You know, rub from Prince on it, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Listen, uh, yeah. collaborating uh, on your own, collaborating with renowned okay. artists such as uh, uh, the Clark Sisters and Kirk yeah. Franklin. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that must yeah. have been incredible. That really must have been incredible. Uh, can, can you share a particular... You know, memory, you know, memorable moment from one of those collaborations. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, God. So, yeah, I've, I've been lucky, lucky enough that um, I've had the opportunity to sing back up with or, or you know, with several artists, you know, um, like I said, the Clark Sisters. Um, uh, I did back January of last year. There was a big concert with Kirk Franklin and Todd Galbraith and Maverick City. I got a phone call to be one of the backup vocalists for that in front of almost 13,000, I mean, uh, you know, 13, 14,000 people in the Vistar Arena. So that was a lot of fun. I think one of my one of my favorite, because, you know, I grew up with them. We grew up in the same church denomination, the Clark Sisters. When I met Twinkie Clark, she is the one who wrote all of their um, songs, who uh, penned all of their hits. So to get a chance to just sit with her and talk to her and meet her, um, that was a highlight because not only that, as a little boy, I had a crush on <laughs> But, you know, so yeah, um, yeah, 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 Clark, yeah. listen, man, Twinkie Clark, she is just, she was so, she was light years ahead of her time. And if you, if you ask most 
um, if you ask most R&B or black artists um, about their vocal influences, um, the Clark sisters sit way up here. I mean, okay. even in line with your Michael Jackson's, your Prince's and all these, the Clark sisters, they set the bar. They changed, they changed the game as far as gospel. They are the number one selling female gospel group in the world. Sure, sure. And they still continue to this day. As a matter of fact, they were here last. They were here in town last Sunday. I got. I didn't. I missed that concert. But they were here uh, on a tour with Kurt Franklin and whatnot, um, and Israel Hooten and stuff here in town. But yeah, the time meeting Twinkie Clark. Another time that I really enjoyed. Um, a buddy of ours, uh, P.J. Morton. He is a an amazing, amazing artist, multi Grammy award winner, um, and he's also the MD for Maroon Five. I was I brought okay. him to Jacksonville uh, when I was doing concert uh, when I was doing concert promotions. Brought PJ Morton to Jacksonville. I was a person to actually introduce him to the area. Um, so I brought him here two or three times, and just to you know be able to bring him here and introduce his music to the people here, and you know just to watch PJ's life you know blow up the way it has. He and my brother were he was my brother's roommate in Atlanta when he was nine, when he was a nineteen year old kid. So just to you know be able to meet these people and <laughs> you know. Um, and have a part, have them have a part in my life. Uh, John Batiste. Oh, there you go, John Batiste. Jazz Festival one year when he was here. Batiste. He comes off the stage. He's doing a, you know, doing a. Yeah, man. John Batiste is amazing. <laughs> so he's coming through. They're doing the second line through the crowd like they do in New Orleans. And I happen to be standing there in the crowd just singing and singing. And he walked by me. He stopped, turned around, and he looked at me. He said, "Who are you?" Gave me his microphone, and they kept playing. And I'm singing over John Batiste in the crowd of people. So later that year, it was insane. And he said, man, so after the jazz festival, I went to his table and I thanked him graciously. He said, man, listen, I hear people and I see people all the time. He said, and I hear people singing all the time. He said, man, when I walked by you and I heard you singing, I thought to myself, who in God's name is this singing like this in this crowd? He's like, man, you are, you are gifted. So to get that from John Batiste, man, and have him do that, that just, that meant millions to me, man. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, well, I tell you, if you don't hear it enough, you are a gifted singer, my man. Uh, let oh, me, man, let me. Thank you so kindly, brother. Uh, let's move on to your photography. Uh, as a photographer working on, working okay. on uh, this new project you have, This is Africa. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. message or story do you hope to convey? You know, through through, you know, your images, your experience, your you know trip to Africa. Uh, what yeah. do you hope to? What is the message? Well, that whole uh, my shout out to my granddad Tommy Dickerson. Um, they called him Uncle Pickle, who introduced me to both my two favorite, my two loves in life: jazz music and photography. He was a jazz fanatic and he was a photographer um and introduced me to that as a young boy as well so the whole this is series started when i turned 50 years old a couple few years ago and um took a 19-hour train ride to new york city with my camera and my equipment and my whole you know idea was to go and just shoot new york and to go back and do something different I'd never been anywhere like that by myself and never been on a train before that. So getting to meet people and tell that story. So I'm now I've dusted those 
photos off and I'm finishing that book first. We're trying to have that one done by the first quarter of 2024. Then we'll go to, this is Africa. Now, when I went to Africa, I went on a missions trip. We went to Kenya. We were in Nairobi, Kenya and Mombasa and Bamba for two weeks. So we got a chance to travel and I took my camera and I wanted to just shoot what Africa is. Africa is not bloated stomachs and flies on the eyes of hungry kids in Ethiopia. Africa You're is right. not um, the warriors and the violence that you see of, you know, people taking over towns and villages. That is not what Africa is. So my job, what I want to do is to take and shoot the people who I had an opportunity to, you know, rub shoulders with and spend time with and hear them uh, while I was on this missions trip and just take pictures and just kind of show Africa from that perspective. So once we get that book going, my heart is to create an entire line of greeting cards, um, put this book out, This is Africa, to tell the story of that trip. And the proceeds from that book and those cards, and I'm going to do, I'll do T-shirts and stuff. The proceeds from that will go back to the church where we served to buy musical instruments. They'll go back to that church and those families to buy shoes because I watched families walk for miles, no shoes. And sit in church, and they were just so excited to be in church, just to be around other people. Yeah. So that's yep, my yep. heart is to go and to sew back into their lives, man, so that they can have, <clears throat> so they can have shoes, and maybe partner with Crocs <laughs> or partner with uh, Hey Dudes, and get those guys. And we say, hey, we're gonna get shoes for this whole group of young kids. We're gonna get T-shirts to get, you know. So that's so that's the whole premise behind that. So once we start start getting the proceeds for This Is Africa. I want to show these people. I want to show these kids. I want to show what Africa looks like up close and personal from a from a personal point of view. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. I I I will tell you, uh, you are you are absolutely right. I went to Africa in two thousand and five. I went to Ghana okay. on a uh, on a medical mission trip, uh, and okay. uh, we went we went into some actual villages. Uh, away yeah. from the cities, and so yes, I did. I did see how villagers live, uh, yeah. and uh, uh, there were village, uh, you know, chiefs, the whole nine yards. I mean, I saw the re- I saw the real village portion of yeah. Africa that that still exists. I understand. Oh, that, yeah. You know, I understand that, you know, they still have the big city life and all that, too. But there are still villages <laughs> that exist with you chiefs believe and it. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I sat down with chiefs in the brush. And uh, it, was, it was extremely humbling. Uh, we broke bread. We talked. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it made me understand, uh, more about the human condition. Yeah. 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 It will, I'll tell you, Tracy, it'll change your life. So while I was there in Africa, while we were there in, um, we were in Nairobi and you're exactly right. You go to places and, um, I won't get into the whole China and Africa thing. That's that's a whole nother dynamic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you go yeah. in, yeah, ooh, yeah China. Brother, yeah. I know. I that know. whole colonizing thing happening right now, bro. 
dude, ooh, that's a that's a whole uh, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother show in itself. But so to go into yeah to go into Africa and to to sit and see, um, they don't have uh, uh, divided lanes of traffic like we do. They right. don't have traffic lights like we do. They don't have the stop signs. So I, one, one of the things I, I, I saw when I was there, Tracy, it is dark. We're on a road. The only thing you see are headlights coming from, towards you and headlights, your headlights going that way. So it's really dark. And then during the day, you, got the same, you have the same situation. But what I realized, you know, we talk about how great America is. We talk about how one eh, sounds good. Okay, that works for the people. Here's my issue. If they have nothing to guide them and nothing to dictate how you stay on this side of the street, but when you're driving and you're driving on a one-way street and somebody pulls over and lets you by, (laughs) what does that say about your love and your concern for people? We're great, but we have people dictating to us how to be great. They are great just because of who they are and the fact that they're so concerned about one another. Yeah, I know I may have the right of way and I may be further along, but brother, let me pull over here and you can keep going. Yeah, yeah, I watched men. I watched grown men walk. Uh, one of the things I learned, and I had it happen to me, African brother grabbed me by my hand, and they walk and they walk holding hands. They're hand in hand when they walk. Yeah, has yeah, nothing to do with yeah, their sexuality. Yeah, has yeah. nothing to do with anything. Right, what that right, says right, is, right. I'm invested in you as a person. I'm invested in this conversation, and you have me. And the first time that happened to me, man, I cried like a baby. And the brother who I was talking to, he turned to me and said, don't cry, brother. Don't cry. You are home. And this is who you are. Oh, man. It will change uh, your uh, life. If we... If, oh, God, brother, listen. Right? <laughs> man, I'm trying not to cry, bro. It's just, I, you, when you have somebody, uh, you have an elder from where you know you're from. Yes, I'm American. But I'm American by way of Africa. But when you have somebody who does not know you, have never met you, and they grab you and they hold you and they hold your hand and they talk to you and touch you just like the people you grew up with who are your biological and blood family, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. Oh, my God. It really is. Yeah, brother. You know, I actually did did an episode, oh, gosh, last year about the biological and the uh dna of the original eve oh oh i can't wait to hear this i did i did i did okay and it 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 goes it goes really deep and uh it i <laughs> You know, it makes a lot of sense from a scientific mm-hmm. standpoint. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. and a lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of people in the Christian religion have a hard time. Yeah, they have a hard time understanding where the original Eve came from. Uh, yeah, and okay, they also have a hard time understanding where in their mind the original concept of jesus came from uh yeah so yeah i'm just i'm just throwing that out there and i don't want to go in that with you 
Bro, listen, you go there. That's a, that's a listen. So that's a whole nother animal because we as a church, and I'll say this, and in, in, in we have done we have done a grave disservice. I'm a Christian. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. I've dealt in the occult. I've I've studied demonology. I've done all that. My choice is to believe. And it's not just because that's the way I was raised, but we as a Christian church have done a disservice to the cause of Christ. And we have sacrificed Christianity for culture. We've sacrificed Christianity for comfort. We've sacrificed the presence of God or what we know, what we consider the presence of God for our preference. So if it doesn't happen this way, eh, it wasn't God. Or until it happens this way that works for me and feels good for me, that's God to me. We will not look at science. We will not look at archaeology. We will not look at geography and look at the truth first. It's a concept that the Bible talks about as concept, and I don't want to get too far off on this. It says first natural, then spiritual. We want to skip past the natural part and be superhuman and spiritual. Yep. yep. We can't do we can't keep doing that. We no. can't. No, no. I I was raised in a Baptist uh household and uh yeah. raised raised with the King James version of the Bible. And uh, yeah. you know, I I I I was a student of uh, religion in college. I yeah. took I took yeah. courses in college, and uh, it it is something that each individual and I've tried to tell people, you know, time and again, you know, faith yeah. and religion are two different things. If you believe in one religion, that is totally up to you, and your faith in that religion is totally up to you. Uh, Yeah. There, in most of the Abrahamic religions, all of all of the Abrahamic religions, there is but one God. Uh, Right. uh, So, if you are a believer in in you know the God concept, then you should, yeah. you know, understand that uh, Muslims, Jews, Christians, they all believe in the same person, the same God. There is but one God. Uh, yeah. I hear, yeah. I, I hear, I hear some people, you know, often, you know, bash, uh, you know, Muslim, you know, as being terrorists. And and that that's just not thing. that is just not true. I actually have a copy of the Quran and I have read it. Uh, I'm point, I, listen, watch this. I got to do this. I'm pointing. You just said you have a copy of the Quran right here. I'm looking at just across my room. I have a big, huge King James Bible, and right beneath it, they sit crisscross like this. Is a 900 page, it, it maybe more than 900 page of the Quran that my Jewish, that my uh, 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 my Muslim neighbor gave me he said you are the very first person who claims christianity who would take time to sit and talk to me i believe i'm with you brother i believe that uh honestly i don't uh put much weight uh give much salt 
to the uh, yeah. King James Version of the Bible. I I do yeah. believe in I do believe in researching Christianity because there are, there are a lot of you know resources to do that. And and there are, and right. like I and and like I said, there are absolutely more than uh, a few people that that believe that there is only one God. And and you're right. Uh, so you know, like if we look at the King James version, what happened to the entire apocrypha that was extracted from that and that that is lost, and we don't consider. The books that King James decided that would, you know, would not be in there. Why? Because of his personal feelings. Right. Right. You know, so right, that we right, have to, right. we have to take that into consideration. Um, we have to look at that. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, again, I choose to believe I subscribe to Christianity. I, now, we're the youngest religion on the planet. And that alone should let people. That alone should say to a lot of the the the, the believers, Christ followers, or, or disciples of God, the, you know, Christianity. That in itself should say, you know what? If we believe that God is the Alpha and the Omega, and that He is who He is, do yes. you understand? By us being the youngest, there are other things that came before us. Do you understand that if we believe anything about the Bible, when the Bible says, "I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb," that kind of speaks to what. Some people label reincarnation. We believe, so we, there are a lot of things that we as Christians, we got, you know, we have to really look at it. We really have to consider. And a lot of us choose not to because it scares us. And it goes against everything that the American and Westernized religion has lied to us and told us. Period. I know, I know, I know. And, and you talk about the West Niles religions. <laughs> We're going. We're, I, and I don't want to. I don't want to step into it too deep before we go. Yeah. Take your time. Take I, your time. I, I yeah. don't want to. I don't want to step into it too deep before we go. Uh, your opinions yeah. on on the uh, current uh, conflict on in Gaza? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the attack on the the, the attack. Um, by Hamas on Israel, um, I choose to believe. I choose to believe that, uh, in one form or the other, um, those were God. Those are God's chosen people. And that's just based on what I've, you know, based on what I've read. Um, I was started to watch this video that gave an entirely new perspective on the entire history of Israel and, and Iran and and things that Israel agreed to, and you know, so. Um, if for no other reason, without going into it, like you said, I pray for those people because they are, before they're anything else, they are people. Before they're Palestinians, before they're Israelis, before they're Iranians, before Hamas, they are people first. And they all suffer some kind of trauma. They all suffer some kind of thing from their background, their history, that yeah. causes them to love or hate the other. So... Like you said, without going into it, I'll just say that they are people first. And I believe that it is our responsibility as people. If we send good, you know, some people may say I'll send good vibes or whatever. I believe in prayer. So I am praying for those people because there are people who, who are continuing to lose their lives. There are people who are doing things that is intentional and they're intentionally trying to kill them. I pray for them as well. Why? Because I believe in God. And God said our responsibility is to love our neighbor as we do ourselves. 
even when they do what we don't agree with. So I'm praying for the entire area, the entire region, and people on both sides of that, because there has to be healing in, in you know in that area. Yeah, yeah, I I I have a strong opinion about that situation over yeah. there, but yeah, uh, yeah. but okay, uh, but in in this in this format, I will say that. Yes, I I am uh, sending my positive vibes for both sides. I yeah. think that uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of innocent people dying on both sides, uh, and have yeah. been for dec and have been for decades. For uh, it's yeah. it's yeah. it's been a nasty situation over there, and I I just yeah, like I said, strong opinions over here. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I'm yeah, gonna, man. yeah, man. I understand. I, I understand that, brother. I'm gonna ask you one last question, Rich. Uh, looking okay. to the future. Looking to the future. Yeah. Uh, what are your aspirations and goals in both your music and uh, entertainment uh, and or photography? <laughs> you know, what are your what are your aspirations going into the future? My aspirations going into the future. So my hope is within uh, in the year of 2024, as we said, first quarter, my plan is to release. This is 50 of my pho photographic work. Uh, I am in the uh, process now of recording two original songs. So I'll release um, two songs in the top of the year under my name uh, for the first time. So I'm really excited about that. I uh, got an opportunity to to debut an original song. Uh, I'm doing this coming Saturday. I'm doing the national anthem at the um, Sea and Sky Spectacular at the beach. But, you know, looking forward, my heart is to first learn that what I have is enough and that it doesn't have to sound like or look like what everybody else's is. I have a story to tell. I have things that, that I want to say. So and I'm going to so I'm going to just start releasing stuff. I'm going to start releasing uh, music and start writing. I'm going to get into doing jingles. I wrote a jingle the other day uh, based on something someone said. Um, you know, your little bit means a lot of bit makes a lot of bit of difference to me. Your little bit makes a lot of bit of difference to me. She said something <laughs> to me. and I was like, wow, that that works. So I think I'm going to rec I wrote, record that in my voice recorder. So I want to I want to do that. I want to get into voice recording. I want to get into voiceovers. So I just want to, you know, explore that. I want to get back in the theater. So keep your eye on Reese Dickerson and we'll see what happens. We'll just hear in God and whatever, wherever God directs me and whatever opportunities come, I'm open to them, man. And I'm ready <laughs> to just go take over the world and just touch the world with my gifts. Well, I, I tell you, I love you, brother. Uh, I, I support, too, I support everything that you do. And thank you so much for being here yeah. on the program with us. Brother, thank you so much. I could not have asked for a better gift. Uh, this is a gift. Uh, when we release, when you release this, I'm going to share this everywhere. I will, I will, I will uh, tout your program and just let people know because more people need to hear what you're saying. Um, you know, a lot of us get on this mainstream thing and we don't hear the Tracy Rigdons who have a lot to say and have a lot to say that weigh, that weighs a lot that bears weight. So man, I thank you for I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be here with you, man. Thank you so kindly. I I'm, I'm blessed. I feel blessed, bro. Well, thank you for the kind words. And we will see you again, I am certain. Thank you, brother.
Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap. Another fantastic episode of the podcast. You can find us on all the social media platforms, wherever you serve, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, threads, wherever. Don't forget to like, share, and comment. And on our YouTube channel, don't forget to like, share, comment, and smash that subscribe button. If you're streaming audio for the podcast, you can find us wherever you get your favorite podcast programs. In the meantime, I like to tell everybody, take care of yourselves and each other. Until next time. Peace.